0: So that is kind of conflicting always that you have to say, okay, please don't log too much. But on the other hand, I'm always happy when people use our products and
1: our platforms. It it looked to me, it was an opportunity to share with not just my colleagues, but the wider community, some of our thinking uh, and um, guiding people through that learning path.
2: Hey everyone, welcome to the BOL.com Tech Lab podcast. We share our experience with you speaking behind the screens of IT and tech in general at Bol.com, the largest e-commerce platform in the Netherlands and Belgium. We are sharing our approach to IT, e-commerce, and retail platforms. The hosts of the show, Peter Paul van der Beek and Peter Brouwers.
3: Good day. Welcome to the podcast. One of the subjects uh, that we did not yet really touch uh, are uh, non-functionals. And today we are uh, taking a closer look at uh, logging. Yeah, it's one of the aspects that typically fills some of the non-functionities, or as they uh, sometimes are called, illities.
4: Yes, and uh, yeah, the first time in history of the Bold.com Tech Lab podcast, we are able to provide five free eBooks about today's topic. Why and why is that? Yeah, we were uh, as a starter of this episode, we were contacted by the publisher of this book. If we were interested in an episode about logging with the author of this book. Um, yeah, so we start thinking about it and we realize, well, logging might be an interesting uh, subject to touch upon, uh, to reflect on how .com is doing. And yeah, we make the nice, uh, I think, combination with uh, with the author of this book. And during the episode, we will explain what's needed to obtain one of these ghosts. So, yeah, keep on listening and you will find out. So who's the author of the book and who's the other guest of the show, uh, Peter van?
3: Yeah, so the... Uh... <laughs> The author is, uh, yeah, we're not going to refer to him as the author from now. No, it's uh, <laughs> Phil Wilkins. He spent over 25 years in the software industry. He's currently a senior consultant, tech evangelist, uh, working for Capgemini. Uh, specialized in uh, cloud integration, APIs, related uh, uh, technologies. He's also a TOGAF certified and is recognized by Oracle as an age director. We've uh, been working with some of those uh, in the past as well. And, uh, yeah, he has written a few books, including the one we're going to talk about uh, today, uh, Unified Logging with Fluent D. So, besides him, we have Thibaut uh, He's a system engineer. He's in his fourth year at Ball.com, really enjoying it. Uh, staying uh, in the same team all the time. So, yeah, it must definitely be uh, something for him. Otherwise, you, you don't do that uh, with us. So, yeah, he's strong in logging, monitoring metrics. And that's, of course, why we, uh, uh, yeah, uh, why we're inviting uh, him uh, today. So the first thing we were going to talk about is, yeah, um, moving away from monoliths, as everybody uh, has been doing, or most of us has been doing, some are are still in the process. uh, That uh, has made logging more complex, because if you have a monolith, yeah, you have just one place to store your logging, but how do you do that in a more distributed uh, environment uh, yeah well Chibbe, how how did we solve this problem at bold.com?
1: uh
0: well um i think that the the fun fact is that that our, our login platform in itself is kind of it's not not really a monolith but it is um uh it it is one platform that we that we offer to um, to uh, our our customers which are actually the developers of bold.com. um but we but it's, it it's it is scalable so when um there's more applications added. Then we add more nodes to the, to the platform and Mm -hmm. also, um, by using the Elk stack, um, we can um, well we can we can we can um um aggregate all of those log sources and add them on the same platform um and by having this centralized um logging platform to all different teams and all those there's hundreds of applications you're still able to correlate over multiple applications if, if there's issues popping up that involve multiple applications so that's one of the things that we do to make working with like a uh, not monolith more easy for our customers and and also nice to mention is that we're moving um, the, the long platform to the cloud so currently we're still running in the data center uh, in the cloud we're, we'll be able to 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 also start long platform into multiple um, multiple platforms actually so one platform per per environment or segment of the bold.com landscape and and have a unified query eventually um, on top of that to be even more scalable well less monolithic in that regards so um yeah hey,
4: so you were you, you mentioned, you were mentioned
0: the
3: the... elk stack that's what we're going to say peter right yes. <laughs> yeah <laughs> could you explain it a little
0: yeah so the elk stack is um is is one of the most used um solutions um for logging but also for multiple things so it's basically a search engine um with which collects um text Mainly in its backend, and then it adds um, a search framework on top of it. It's implemented; uh, uh, it is actually Lucene, Apache Lucene. Um, but we use it as um, a platform for uh, for logging, uh, and Elk uh, is an abbreviation for Elasticsearch. Logstash and Kibana, in which Elasticsearch uh, serves as uh, the, the data backend. Logstash is uh, the data pipeline, so it um, it gets the uh, logging and it transforms it, aggregates it, and enriches it uh, possibly, and then, um, and, then sur- and then delivers it to uh, and then Kibana is the, the the front end to it. So Kibana is the thing that users uh, generally interact with, and they they add queries to search for um, for logging it. So that's the, um, the the platform that we're using. We call it Log Search, actually. That's just the name, but uh, internally it's the Elk stack, and that's maybe a nice uh, angle. To the other guests, because, um, what we are using as a, as a pipeline is, uh, Logstash. It's also a, a product by Elasticsearch, but that's, there's, there's, you can, you can, in fact, exchange, um, components from the Architect by alternatives. And one of those alternatives to Logstash is FluentD. And that is exactly the, um, topic of the book that, uh, Correct. Phil Wilkins yeah. wrote. So I guess he is eager to, uh, to tell us more about that. Yeah
1: yes so um fluentd is uh has a very uh, a lot of commonalities with with logstash uh and often uh, um you're hearing of uh the ef case that where uh people are using Elasticsearch and they're using kibana to do the visualization of the the logs and uh, metrics um but they're replacing the way that um uh, they get the logs from the uh, different components and feeding into the uh, 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 search or uh, log repositories uh, because what we're finding is, from our experience, that um, as companies get bigger, you get to specialist teams, um, particularly if they're not fully embraced, perhaps with all the Agile ideas. Uh, and DevOps, Um, and and as a result, those teams all want to use different tools. Security would like to use uh, things like Splunk because it's got uh, uh, support for security searches and checks, Uh, and your infrastructure team might prefer Nagios, uh, and so on. Uh, And the beauty of of both Elasticsearch and Ds is that they can do uh, routing uh, a bit like a, an ultra-simple enterprise service bus um, and they can collect the logs from different sources and uh, route through to uh, the different technologies, whether that's just Elasticsearch for a, a group collection or send it to the different tools uh, depending on what the different needs are. Um, the one differentiator I think uh, that's probably uh, uh, most significant between the two is FluentD has been adopted uh, by the CNCF and has graduated along with uh, Kubernetes and a number of other solutions um, and is uh, very uh, uh, open source community driven. As a result you've got a lot of um, connectors to different uh, destinations available to you. Um, the downside being is obviously the governance is a, a, a little, little bit looser uh, compared to the governance around uh, extensions on Logstash.
4: So can you give an example uh, for, uh, for us that really shows the difference maybe use case that that you say okay in lostash it would be like this and in Fluentd it would be like this what what use case should we think of uh, so so
1: one of the ones that um uh, we've we've done is is uh, i mentioned uh, uh, the security security teams um we've we've dealt with a couple of customers where uh, they've established the use of uh, a product um and they've decided that they want the security-related events. That's when people sign in, sign out, uh, change things that are getting record uh, information that's getting recorded. They want that to go to their central security repository. But the apps guys uh, just want to see everything to be able to do their usual support. So we've used that Fluentd to to duplicate off certain streams of events and say, okay, that's a, a security related event. So we'll send that to their, uh, their preferred product for the security team. And then uh, the dev, uh, DevOps teams are using a, a central repository. Uh, in one case, it is Elasticsearch, but um, not in all cases. Um, as a result, the two teams can work f- with the same source of logs um, but they're just getting the bits that they need
0: okay. so that implies then also that the both teams do need another another back uh, end for their logs right am I correct in stating that
1: So the two teams just need to know about their preferred back end um, whether that's uh, uh, you know elasticsearch or uh, another tool like logzio or, or uh, things like that. Uh, so it means that the, the security guys can specialize on their product to get the most out of it and the DevOps guys can, uh, you know, make the most of, uh, um, Elasticsearch.
0: Yeah. So that's also exactly what we are doing currently. And we'll be doing in this so that we have, we have in our uh, logging platform. Well, our logging platform is mainly Elasticsearch, but also our security team has their own uh, platform and our Logstash. They actually hook into our Logstash implementation to um, extract exactly those logs um, that they need in their product. Um, So it's indeed a very useful aspect of, um, well, the log pipeline indeed, like, um, logstash wouldn't
1: yeah uh, uh, the the one key difference i think is in in the setups we've done with front is, is we're not uh, extracting from logstash we're actually split um the routing of the messages as they are um routed to the back ends uh, as you would with a, an ESB, you know, if you've you've got uh, two different um, microservices that uh, or, or components that want to know about an event, you would um, fire off that event to both uh, uh, points of consumption at the same time. Cool, cool. Exactly.
3: And while uh, while preparing uh, this, we also uh, talked about the distinction. Uh, about uh, logging for logging and uh uh logging for alerting uh, basically well yeah our audience has missed uh, the discussion so could you please uh tell me what they or tell them actually uh, what you mean by those uh yes
1: yeah, so uh it there is uh, a lot of interesting uh developments being going on in the last few years uh, around thinking with with logging and qualifying it Uh, Historically, we tended to look at uh, uh, logging as one big lump, but actually it's several different areas. Um, Or or should I say it's actually monitoring. So we're talking about things like collecting uh, metrics about how your computer or your host is is working, your CPU, uh, memory utilization, statistics like that, which are highly numerical. A, a more uh, um, metrics-based, and you want to alert off um, uh, uh, the numerical values when you hit a threshold. Whereas um, if you move up the the, the stack uh, and you're looking at your OS, you're getting a combination of both. Uh, an OS is giving you metrics, things like how many processes are running, how how uh, um, Much switching might be going on between processes, things like that. But at the same time, it's writing events to logs like Joe has logged in or uh, things like that. And you've you've got what uh, is well known as SNMP traps, which are event traps that uh, uh, when there's a fault on on a a piece of the hardware, it might record uh, some detail of the fault. Uh, which is more descriptive, um, and then of course we get into the apps tier, and you're, you're into a blend of the both. You're thinking about both metrics measurement for, uh, you know, how deep are your message queues, or uh, you know, what's your throughput on your Kafka environment, as well as the application saying, oh, "I've done this, I've made this decision," so that uh, that you can understand what the application is doing and what the business logic is that's being executed, which again becomes a lot more prescriptive, sorry, descriptive uh, in nature. And therefore we need to sort of separate and think about those differently. Um, and uh, as a result, you know, we, we've got things like open tracing as a, as a standard. Uh, you've got uh, um, new event standards for um, events being trapped within infrastructure, particularly in cloud solutions uh, coming uh, coming about. Um, So logging is only one dimension of it. You are dealing with metrics and potentially capturing them separately or generating even uh, metrics from logs. Um, You know, how, how chatty is a solution if it's generating lots and lots of logs that like could be it's it's spinning out of control or something like that.
0: Yeah, I think that uh, those are interesting things. And I think the, the things that you described is what you call in your book, the pillars like uh, metrics and logging and tracing uh, at bold.com. We, um, we, we don't do tracing that much yet it is something that is uh, on our minds and um but we still it's still a new world and it's a world with lots of implications and 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 especially for us as a, a product and platform team um it, it it means a lot a lot of resources that we have to um to use to implement that for all of our uh, services metrics and logging and monitoring we, as we call it like alerting basically are things that we, d- we did uh, implement and um, both for data center and cloud and uh, an interesting point is that um, as we are discussing now uh, logging uh, for logging or logging for alerting is that that at, as a team at this point in time we have a, a big preference um, to use metrics for alerting and not not necessarily logging for alerting um so i can expand a bit on that we're um, for for um the future we we foresee that we're we're implementing and using already prometheus uh, in in the cloud because it's also a cloud native product and it works really well with kubernetes that, which we're using and we're even so happy with it that we're also implementing Prometheus to be used um eventually in the data center and try to downscale uh, our nagios but um um but, 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 but Prometheus is really um tailored and and and, and created uh, to be an alerting platform. And and alert logging is in, in, in normally and I th- I can see there could be exceptions to that, but normally I would say that 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 um that logging is something that you are um going to look into when something has gone wrong and you can use the the golden signals for that or some other um functional um application like metric based alerts and if something's gone wrong then you 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 get your logs and um and, and and you look what what exactly did happen um but but logs are by nature much, much bigger um, by volume, by um, storage capacity needs and uh, stuff like that than metrics. Our metrics are very lightweight, um, which makes them a bit more fit for a purpose for, for alerting, in my opinion. Um, and also, but it depends, of course, because sometimes you don't really have control over the metrics. And in that case, I, I can imagine that um, that way you have like um, a, a fluent D- or log stash or or beats or something uh, uh, a log pipeline close to the application close to the clients that you could maybe um, generate metrics based on the logs that you're processing and then and then you could um, you could for example uh, define alerts based on those metrics. And even if that's not possible, I can also imagine that um, that you could you could even um, couple such a log processor to an alerting backend. But I think that makes uh, the landscape more complicated for end users because then suddenly you don't have to deal only have to deal with Prometheus as an alerting backend, but you have to think: okay, was this alert coming from Prometheus or is it coming from our log pipeline? And and complicating things, making it more complex is generally not really a good idea in my opinion. But um, but it, but it certainly is an interesting uh, way of looking at it and we we will make sure to well to to keep looking at it and maybe there comes a time that we will implement it and provide users with such uh, possibilities.
1: Yes it's interesting that when it comes to alerts uh, I would certainly prefer to to have have that coming off uh, uh, more metrics, numerical-based information. But uh, a lesson I learned many, many years ago was that uh, uh, some applications, you can't go back and improve their logging or metrics data. Um, And what we discovered in in running with a, a, a piece of software that we couldn't change is that it would generate a little log message that looked quite innocent um, but we, we, we learned over time that it actually was a warning sign that the application was going to crash and potentially cause data corruption. So um, taking that lesson going forwards rather than waiting for that to go into Elasticsearch and do a search to fi- and finding the occurrence of that message, um, where we see those risks uh, now, What we tend to do is say, okay, that's a critical message. We're getting into uh, what's going on uh, and being preemptive uh, of a a fault occurring because we've seen a log indicate it's about to occur. Um, We can then generate an alert. Now, you could do that by uh, pushing it through Prometheus as a a metric and you have a very low uh, threshold. On that metric, so it triggers an alert. Or in the case of what we've done on one, more than one occasion is, um, the, the uh, uh, DevOps team are very comfortable working with um, uh, they're very comfortable working with Slack, and uh, therefore we've just said, okay, as it comes through the pipeline, if we ever see this, let's just send it to Slack. So that gives the team more time. To go and try and do the pre-emptive, um remediation, and that right. and that's that saved us from having to go and clean up after a crash uh, in more than one occasion. Yeah. yeah. In this example,
4: you have the, the uh, one log uh, uh, item that, that you really should act upon. So right, so that triggers the alert directly. And that, yeah. that's What you mean with the threshold? It uh, n is one. Eh? If you have it once, you 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 need to act. Yeah. Yeah, exactly
0: and always I'm always wondering. Then is there not another way? Because the the, the error should, is also generated from something, right? So is not, is is then the error the only the only occurrence or the only sign of such an um, error? String that's one one of my thoughts. And I'm I'm also thinking that um that but that's of course also uh, taking the cloud world um as 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 a reference. But but I think normally applications should be able to crash, and then um and then if and and, and if they crash. Then, then you should be able to be alerted based on that, like on up metrics um, in, in Prometheus uh, language. But I mean, that's of course if if you have applications that are able to crash. And if you're working with like older software and older kind of monolithical or um, maybe more database-like um, applications, then then that's entirely different. I I can see that.
1: Yes, and it tends to be the legacy uh, scenarios. Mm-hmm. Where we've had to do that, or where we've had to do it very, uh, I've, I've talked to one team where, um, they were being told that the, the release cycle was too slow for them to be able to go and fix it in, in their code. How can they, uh, deal with it quickly? Um, and logging because it's pure configuration based. Uh, and because it's not part of a mission critical app itself, people are a little bit more relaxed about uh, changing the configurations of your log uh, log routing. Um, so particularly in large organizations where um, decisions can get quite removed uh, from uh, people on the ground, um, doing quick tricks in your logging because you can put them in and take them out a lot more easily. Um, it is more palatable uh, t- t- to the decision makers because they don't see it as risking da- damaging the uh, application itself.
4: It's a nice bridge, eh? We talked about uh, uh, the, the the two types of stacks, the elk versus uh, the AFK uh, stack. Then we talked about uh, logging and and uh, alerting, uh, and so it's the uh, why you why you should uh, or why you can. Uh, what you can use logging for um let's go to to the part that we define the logging the producing the logging and eh? that's actually the start uh, starting point um can you share some best practices for that one uh, phil
1: yes so um your uh metrics your tracing your 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 uh, log monitoring is only as good as the information you publish and generate within the application um, so if you don't generate helpful log information, then, uh, it can be very hard to resolve even with the best tool in the world. But, uh, um, the, that law leads, as you say to, to, you know, what, what's good, what makes a good log. And I've always said to the, the teams I work with, be clear about what the problem is. Um, Be generous with the information because uh, in two years' time, when it might not be you that's having to deal with or understand what that log message means, um, you know, someone else has got to understand what it is you're saying. So think about what uh, what you're saying in the log message. Don't be excessively verbose, but be clear, be concise. Uh, use the terms that are consistent within your application domain. Um, you know, it, don't just chuck out a stack trace if you've got an error. You know, what's the cause of the error? Um, is it a null pointer exception that, that uh, wasn't allowed for? Um, are you in an operation that's, say, if you're calculating tax and someone's not got uh being paid anything, you're going to get a a divide by zero. Um, So say you're in the tax algorithm so that people understand that, or can start to go, oh, that's probably this sort of problem. Um, Obviously, you've got to be very mindful of uh, GDPR and other legal considerations. Uh, So don't start putting people's full details into their logs. Because that means that the security guys have got to worry about GDPR compliance on your logs, uh, which can become a bit of a headache. Um, same with credit cards, for that matter. Uh, the number of times I've seen people panic because somebody's accidentally logged a whole credit card number. Uh, and it's, uh, oh, hang on now, we've got to do the full PCI compliance on our monitoring solution to make sure it's not being propagated. Um so really,
0: uh, it's worth also noting that that, that you, if you do want to have that sort of kind of correlative um information but you don't want to publish the P, the PII the the, the privacy uh, identifiable data um in then you can also hash the data so you can um at the client side um, um make it like a kind of a random string but which is consistent over uh, the its input so that's that you can still search then uh, for all the logs that have to do with the same um, source of information like the same credit card number or the same same first and last name of a person without the the, the, the data actually ending up in the logs that's so that's a very nice way of solving it
1: yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a, a one-way hash is, is a great way of doing it. Uh, so as you say, you, you can start looking for occurrences to see if it's common to a particular customer or a credit card and things like that, um, which, which is a, a great way of, of securing these things. But it still leaves the, the, the information very meaningful um, in terms of the logs uh so that's the key one uh you know too much logs uh is better to be have too much in terms of logging than too little um too little and you you'll never be able to diagnose problems without starting to pull things apart um too much we can deal with that because logstash and Fluentd have the means to uh, filter those out so uh, the, the more verbose messages, um, you can uh, stop them from going to uh, uh, um, Elasticsearch or Splunk or whatever your backend tool is, um,
0: or yeah, can you can I, even go. On. Can, yeah, can I? Because because you, you tracked me with that one, and uh, that's the thing that I think logs are not for free because we we have to run a platform, we have to pay for resources for that. And what we what we see is that sometimes applications they spew like gazillions of logs uh, to the platform and and then we have to fight because the the platform is not in its current capacity they are unable to ingest all of it so i say yes indeed maybe more information is better but not at any cost i think and and i've also heard the interesting um stance that you could say like okay the higher up in the um in the environment you go the less um, the higher log level you want to have so for example you don't want to have debug or info logging at production because um, it's just too much you just want to know if things go wrong or not so so you you could actually only have error uh, log level on production or maybe warning and on the and, and if you encounter something like that then you can um, try to reproduce it at a lower um, environment so like in the staging or a testing or development environment or something like that with a higher log level to try to reproduce it and then get the context out of it. So, 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 I'm. I'm interesting. What your thoughts on that one are? Uh,
1: absolutely, and that and that leads into to, to my next key point is try and use a logging framework. Uh, Whether yeah, you know, if you're a Java developer, that's a SL4J or or, or uh, log4j or anything like that, and the, the you got uh, a .Net equivalent and so on. I'm, and that's going to make life hugely easy. One one is is um, some of that uh, meaningful data will get picked up for you. Uh, you're wearing the code, that is, that you're logging from. Uh, it, it will put the timestamps in for you, things like that. But it also means that you, you'll be encouraged down the lines of using log levels which is important to respect you know i've seen many people put uh, debug info at, uh, debug logs at info or info at warning um, so you've got to get that right uh, but in addition to that uh, the logging frameworks allow you to tune the logs as well so by just dropping a different configuration in uh, you can differentiate your uh, logging between uh, development and production uh, uh, and tuning the information that comes out. As a result, uh, again, you're not changing code directly uh, and you're using a well-proven tested uh, mechanism. You're not having to figure this out for yourself. All the hard work's been done for you. You just got to think about when should I call my login framework?
4: Okay, so there's... there's, um... I think some great tips for therefore for the uh, produ- producing the the, the loggings. Um, but there was an other aspect we discussed as well, uh, and that's something you see in many companies nowadays. I think, and that's uh, we have many teams in Ballot.com, and uh, other other companies has, uh, has uh, have that as well. Uh, and we have a centralized logging uh, department. So the the uh, this Chaba department is creating the the tools. Uh, and, and centralizing logging so you can uh, have overviews that kind of stuff. But how do you deal with the demands from from that many teams? How can you make that work in the future? Or and are we going to a decentralized environment? Um, uh, so how do we approach that, Chebe And and then maybe for you, Phil, uh, what do you see in other companies? But maybe yeah. start with Chebe. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So so what what we see is that sometimes. Um, people um, because because in, in our current setup we use indeed like um, a lot of framework um, um, for our, our Java applications which is one of the biggest um, sources for our login platform uh, but we don't have a log uh, pipeline at the client side so we only have a centralized one so if people want to do something with um, changing logs maybe filtering out some some data that has accidentally been um, been been put into logs Stuff like that, then they then they usually come to us and they say like, hey, can you filter that out for us please? Or can you maybe change that? And well it just doesn't really scale with the size of the company anymore. Um so um one of the things that um we're also looking into is maybe to um to, to put such a log processor, maybe, maybe not even, um, always, but so if people want that they can, that they can, uh, put uh, like, um, a, a file beat or, uh, beats fluentd D or log stash next to their application, more as a sidecar to the application. And then, um, and then they have full control over that. So then they can, uh, configure their output to be our input um and they can do all sorts of things over there and and that way they 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 don't need us um to change those kind of things and they can just uh, do it themselves and we have a nice separation of concern on, on an organizational level um so uh, so that's a way to for us um to do. And in any way, we already have it, kind of, because they have control over their log framework configuration, so we are using mainly um, the, the log4j Redis appender um, for that, which is actually been written by one of our other colleagues in World of which is really cool, I think. So, um, But um,
4: they, they, they have that, but I think that would be a good next step. So, but with, with this, you, you called it sidecar uh, solutions, that they kind of prep their input before they really send it is that what yeah you-
0: yeah okay. and that that can be very simple it can be as simple as uh, read from the application and send it to our um centralized platform and do nothing in between maybe, maybe you you wouldn't even need a sidecar in that case i don't um know but um you can you can make it there basically but um um, and then another good thing is that sometimes for some loggings we um, we don't um, ingest everything of it because it's too much. That that that's for specific kinds of access logs because you have so many requests um, with our traffic on the, on the bullet.com website that you couldn't you couldn't store it all if you wanted to. Um, so for some kinds of log. We, um, we sample it, so we drop a specific percentage of it to to still have some representative amount of logging in there that you can um, can can use for troubleshooting or to have kind of matters uh, selecting. But but at this point in time, we we do that sampling in our centralized log um, log uh, pipeline, and because we have um, buffers before the log stash. Um, um, components um that can lead to to issues with when we really have when maybe when there's an outage of elastic or some other reason in which the buffers explodes basically so if we were able to do that at the client side that would also really
4: um, that's another point i guess yeah and yeah, that's the indeed more the more the more processing part again, and uh, the 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 amounts of data you're gathering. Hey Phil, yeah. yeah, we're talking about those teams and and different needs from different teams. What do you see in other companies? What uh, what kind of solutions? Uh,
1: so the part that, so the pattern that we tend to uh, advocate uh, is. Uh, particularly when we're getting into the microservices, and containerization is a sidecar, or actually to uh, use a standard uh, Docker image which has got Fluent Bit built into it. Um, my Fluent Bit being uh, the the Fluent equivalent to uh, uh, Beats, which is like a, a micro version of, of the solution, um, and then use that to to route uh, uh, the um, the, the necessary logs to the right places. Um, and what we do is we then encourage the development teams just to work on their own Fluent D configurations. They, they know their application, their logic the best, so they know what's worth keeping centrally uh, and may contribute to an overall picture. Vs um, what they just need whilst they're doing development and, and um Uh, preliminary testing and unit testing, things like that. Uh, So they can push a slightly different configuration in. We tend not to do um, what Kubernetes suggests out of the box, which is capture everything through standard app because you have to reprocess the uh, um, stream back to get meaningful structure into the, the messages again. Um, Whereas if you do it uh, within the the, uh, Docker instance or the sidecar, you're getting it being passed through with some meaning on the data already. You know, this bit's the timestamp. This is the log message. This is the the error code and things like that, um, which just saves on the amount of processing work that you've got to do. Because otherwise you've got to break up a string again if everybody formats their strings differently, that's a lot of work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and this.
0: feel something that I was I was wondering as well is what your opinion. One of the things we're also looking into is to maybe at least for Kubernetes um, applications um, to to implement instead of the logging framework that is um, like like uh, tightly coupled to uh, the logging backend. Uh, to to do it in another way to do it loosely coupled in which applications only write to um to standard out in a in a in a well defined uh, string format basically and then to read that standard output uh logging and then interpret it um in in fluent bits or in, uh, in in beats or whatever and then and then to send it to the um uh, t- to the to the logging backend and in that way the the application doesn't need to know anything about um, the logging endpoints and it just needs to write to standard out is it something that you have encountered in in companies or is it something you have an opinion on yeah
1: of? some people do do that uh, and we have seen it being done um, what we tend to say and this comes back to the the earlier point about using logging frameworks. If you use a login framework, uh, one of the beauties of FluentD is, is it's got adapters that work with most log frameworks. So it can either take the log message as a string coming straight out to that framework, and go, aha, I know how that form- that's being formatted, and then uh, immediately apply the, the what I would describe as semantic meaning. I you know break it back up to that's the timestamp, that's the, the, the message, that's the, a meaningful value. Um, but it does come with an, a slight overhead, or you you, you know uh, use the login frameworks such that um, you use a plug-in to that framework that passes the data in its in, translating its internal representation because it's a, it's applying some of those values for you like the location. Uh, yeah your class path uh it's applying the timestamp for you so it's not putting it into a single string it actually passes it over using the predefined structures that um that fluent d understands because fluent d internally handles all log messages as a as a, a basic uh, json payload
4: okay. Oh. Uh, yeah, okay we we are almost uh uh, yeah, running towards the end of the the, the podcast already, but I'm interested, Phil. How, how did you come up with with uh, start writing this book about Fluentd? What was the for you the, the starting uh,
1: point? Some the starting point for me was, um, you know, we we've been using logging mechanisms for many years, uh, and uh, uh, Fluentd has become uh, very pervasive people using it without even necessarily realizing it because it's incorporated into a number of cloud vendor solutions. Um, but getting uh, up to speed with it, um, whilst there is a very strong community around it, uh, the like many open source projects, the documentation can be a, uh, a little bit simple. So I um, it it looked to me it was an opportunity to share with not just my colleagues but the wider community some of our thinking uh, and um, guiding people through that learning path uh, of getting up to speed quickly with it and understanding a bit more of the art of the possible um, because it's only when you start using it you start going ah I could do this and I can do that uh, to be a little bit smarter you know uh, processing if you're taking a standard out converting it to uh, a, a json payload so it's uh, um, can be used in a no database for example and things like that and that's what led me into into the journey of uh, uh, writing the book nice yeah so it's also uh, about uh, sharing the
4: uh, what uh, your experience and, and and sharing it with the community so that's the interesting part yeah uh, i made a note uh, if if you're in that community and you're, you are interested in one of those promo codes. Yeah. Su- subscribe to our podcast and reply on our Twitter account. It's at bull underscore com underscore tech lab. And the first five will get this promo code for, uh, for the book, for the ebook. So um, yeah, let us know. Hey, Peter Paul, um, famous last question before we go to the closing round. Do you have uh, any yeah, so, questions so, left? <laughs>
3: yeah. So for, for me, that uh, we talked a little about uh, preparing this, but it's, it's, in general, engineering or architecting is like a balancing act. And I'm wondering what's the most important balancing act uh, for logging and while implementing uh, logging?
0: Well, I think for us, in a way, it's the, 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 the constant, um, in the data center at least, the constant balancing act of uh, of letting people log what well, as much as they want because it brings them value basically mm-hmm. versus the cost that we have in maintaining it and keeping it running and um and and the resource costs so that is kind of conflicting always that you have to say okay please don't log too much but on the other hand I'm always happy when people use our products and our platform so um so I, I guess that's it for us
1: uh, yeah, I mean, that that, that that is probably the most significant one of walking the line between empowering teams to do what they need to do uh, whilst giving them the tools to allow them to work effectively um, over trying to be prescriptive so that everybody can work against uh, a standard technique. Um, perhaps not so much of a balancing act, but, well, maybe it is a balancing act, Um the the thing i say to people is that um you know your logging and monitoring and your ability to do the upside of things is down to the quality of the logging and metrics that you publish you don't publish anything you can't do anything uh you won't know what's going on until it goes wrong and someone says to you it don't work um on the other hand you can as you say you could it's very easy to crucify your environment by overkill. Um but if if it's full, then then log it and uh we can if if necessary you can tune it out if it becomes too much. Uh but make sure you use the right logging levels. Yeah. Well. Wow. Famous last question. What's yes. your key
3: takeaway for our audience?
0: Well, I'd like to, in the, to 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 get back at, at, at maybe a little bit of the the, the previous question is to to well, we, we, in at com we have this this thing you build it you run it you love it and I would um, like people or colleagues to also love their logging and 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 sometimes take a look at it. What do we log actually? Um, is it too much? Is it is it something that's worthwhile or not? And if it's not, then Please don't log it so that we can have enough resources and uh, stability for all the logging that um, really help both come to move uh, forward. So um, love our logs, maybe, <laughs> and, and apply and apply the the, 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 the good the, the good practices. I like that. I might have to borrow that.
1: Love your logs. <laughs> um, for, for me, it comes down to uh, remembering uh, in two years' time, it might not be you looking after that bit of the system and love the person that's coming down the street, uh, who's taking over from you.
4: <laughs> Great.
1: Love that one as well, Phil. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, I think cool. we just came up with, uh, with the title of the podcast, right? <laughs> love, love your logs.
3: Yeah. Yes, it'll be. Okay,
4: Thanks, uh, thanks Phil for uh, yeah the the sharing your time with us and and talk about uh, Fluentd and and logging in uh, general uh, yeah your book Unified Logging with Fluentd uh, um, yeah I, I shared with you how to get the promo, promo code um, th- thanks for your time and and hope you uh, you had a great time as well Gemma, yes, but- thank- yeah
1: oh, sorry Phil thank you very much for having me yeah that's great.
4: Yeah, and Chabu, you as well. Thank you for uh, thank you for your time to share your uh, your vision on on the logging in, uh, in com and uh, and I also like the fact that you you started to ask these questions uh, towards Phil and uh, really uh, made it a great conversations and uh, conversation and then yeah, I got some new insights as well about logging and uh, how we are dealing with it and uh, also looking towards the future with uh, with our cloud uh, movement. So. Um, interesting thanks yeah, it was a pleasure to me as well so uh, thanks for having me
0: thanks phil thanks Jabber. cheers
1: everybody
2: thanks for listening to this episode if you like the episode check some of the others go to spotify or itunes search for tech lab and subscribe leave a five-star review so others can find the podcast easier and spread the word we like interactions so if you have any questions or suggestions find us on twitter linkedin or mail tech at ball.com Hope to meet you in our next episode. Have fun.